I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. I wanted to bring you this bonus episode of my chat with my mate and leading economist, Stephen Kokrillis. Once the chief economic advisor to one of our former prime ministers, Julia Gillard. Now, we regularly meet up a couple of days just before the RBA, Reserve Bank of Australia, makes her announcement on the first Tuesday of every month. But we do it every single month. And I do this for my Yellow Brick Road business. But if this is something you're interested in hearing about, that is, with no agenda, then tell me, let me know. I know we are all worried about the state of the economy right now and what that means for our pockets, particularly when it comes to owning a home. We're both going to bring to you enough knowledge that can arm you ahead of decisions being made on your behalf and allow you to make plans for the future. Kooky and I are going to chat about what happened during July and where we're headed for the remainder of the year and right into 2023. And he's connected. This guy is connected with all the economists and money market makers in this country. And we're going to discuss what the RBA might announce for the August meeting. Get into it. Stephen Kukulis, welcome, mate. Mark, great to be well, back. What a well, month we've had in between. It's crazy. Eh? Uh, oh. And by the way, the media is doing the RBA's job for them in a big way, <laughs> yes. big time, and I guess we're part of that. Um, so uh, let's get some focus on it. So uh, last time you and I met, we met before the last Reserve Bank meeting, which was in the month of July. Um, of course, they went at 50 basis points. We both sort of thought around about that number was going to be the number, right? Yep. So we're yep. okay. So, But let's just clear the decks on that. Like, let's, like banks pass it all on within about – you know, 25 seconds, yes. you know, the big four majors, everybody come come through, uh, half percent. So, and, you know, uh, we know where our rates are, but why don't we just quickly reflect on what is the net effect so far on clearance rates, property prices, as just as a result of what's happened so far. Not, 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 not let's not look into the future, but as a result of what's yeah. happened so far. So clearance rates, where do we see the They have rate? fallen prior to the rate hiking cycle commencing. They are in the 70s, 75, sometimes 80%, depending on the weekend or the city that you're looking at. Yep. Now they're in the 50s in all the major cities. Yep. So there's been a pretty big fall. So if you take your house to auction, there's only a 50% chance you're going to sell it at auction at the moment. And probably that is actually overstating the auction clearance rates because some people pull their houses if they know they've got no registered bidders. So yep. Auction clearance rates are saying to me that it is a buyer's market. Sellers put their place on the market hoping that they get a good price. If they don't, it generally gets passed in and the negotiations start. If the, the clearance rates are 50%, that is 
55% or whatever it is, 55% of all those properties are put on the market on any particular day for auction as opposed to all those that were listed for auction but get withdrawn. But 50% of all those that get put on any one day on a Saturday, for example, yep. up for auction, only 55% of those are clearing. In other words, are sold, um, which doesn't include those are sold post-auction. Okay, it doesn't include those. And if they're sold prior to the auction, they're taken off the market too. In fact, I'm, I'm sure my sister won't mind me saying, uh, her next door neighbour had a place that was on the market on for auction, sold ten days prior to the auction. Got so, a great so it price. doesn't include those. So it's not. No, it's, it's sort no. of a bit of a, a fallible number. But let, let's, or you know, it's it, it's got some vulnerabilities. But it, you know, there is some correlation, I guess, to house prices eventually. Um, but what it also means could also mean is that vendors are saying, "Well, I don't need to sell." And I'm not going to get my price, so I'm I'm going to pull out. And that's a really important thing from what we're hearing. In fact, uh, just this morning on the radio, I heard the NAB um, CEO, uh, Mr. McEwen, giving a talk about what what an ab scene. They're pretty big. They said with no, no sign of distress selling. So your point is that people put their house on the market. Maybe it's a bit of a wing and a prayer. Gee, I hope I get this price for it. Doesn't sell. They think, oh well, look, I'm. I'll hold tight until the market turns around again. So there's that aspect too. And there is a pretty good correlation between the auction clearance rates and then what happens to prices. So buyers are sort of stepping back thinking, gee, I won't go quite as high. Vendors haven't yet adjusted their price expectations lower, or not much anyway. So we've got this bit of a standoff between buyers and sellers. No willing buyer, no willing seller. There's a willing Correct. buyer, but not a willing seller. Correct. And at that price. Yeah, and so, that's, and that's yeah. the definition of, of, a, of, a, of a market. So, Correct. Uh, and because you need the vendor. houses or anything. Widgets. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Yep. So we have a dysfunction, a so-called dysfunction at the moment. Vendors don't need to sell. They're not, And those who are selling are people who generally want to sell now because they've got another place to buy or they're going to retire, they're getting divorced, just your normal business as usual shit. So uh, so there's no real – so I don't think the auction clearance rates necessarily indicate to me that there's a major problem. Correct. No, they don't. No, I wouldn't put my money on auction clearance rates being the perfect predictor of what's happening no, in housing. Correct. But, it, but there is – over time there has been some correlation between auction clearance rates. Definitely when auction clearance rates are 85%, it's around the other way. It's, it's there's, there's an a unambiguous boom, yeah. and possibly when they're down at twenty percent or thirty yeah. percent, which I don't think has happened all that often. To be frank, you probably think, "Gee, the market's really weak." When it's fifty, sixty, thereabouts, mm, there's still people buying houses. It's not like everyone stepped away. Correct, and they're, and they're just paying less. So, correct. CoreLogic have broken the Australian housing market up into three thousand eighty-five subsections. In other words, you know, there might be one for Chatswood and one for another area in South Sydney. So anyway, they've got 3,085 arbitrary sections. And they're saying last quarter, there was a 26, 26% of those had a reduction in house prices or dwelling prices, it includes units and houses. They're saying right now it's 41%. In other words, there has been a nearly doubling of those sections of the Australian housing market that have fallen in price. So that's probably not a bad indicator. That That's not a bad indicator for us. It's, I mean, I, we haven't yeah. seen that for a long time. No, and it is an indicator. And, again, it, it, there's no um, guide on how big the falls are. It might just be down 1%. Yeah. yeah. And remembering that late last year, early this year, we had had a 25% approximately increase in house prices from pre-COVID to that time. Prices had boomed. So in a funny way, when you see these sort of things happen, 
after such a boom, a little bit of a pullback's actually natural. It's not yeah. even linked to RBA interest rates. You know, when a house goes from, say, a million to 1.25 million and then someone tries to sell it and it goes for 1.225, well, it's hardly a hardly a problem or a concern. Again, not a real necessarily uh, 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 an indicator, but it has some relevance. But what it definitely tells is the boom is over. Oh, there's no question about that, yes. So both Correct. of these things so far, tell the auction clearance rates and, uh, you know, the 41% reduction in of 3,085 subsections of housing in Australia reduction, both indicate that the boom is over. But it's not. we shouldn't be saying death to the property market because that's... Boom doesn't then go to bust. Correct. It can go to what we call a soft landing. Yeah, which is where the RBA would like to put us. Indeed, and I think from what... Uh, Jim Chalmers, the Treasurer's outlining in his economic statement is, yeah, the economy's slowing, but recession, no. Right. Unlikely. Never say never, but unlikely. Okay, so let me just reflect for a second, or let's both reflect for a second. Um, the Federal Reserve, uh, Jerome Powell, has now come out and they've put their rates up this week by another 0.75. Now, of course, they've got a much higher inflation rate than us. But he's saying, and, uh, and GDP two negative quarters is technically a recession. But they're saying, but it's not really a recession um, because, you know, unemployment's still really low. Um, uh, you know, the economy basically is in good shape. So we don't really have a recession as such. Uh, let's just unpack that a little bit, you know, like how important is this technical recession business? I mean, uh, or or are they just po- politicising the situation, trying to protect the Democrats? What are they, what's going on? I mean, is Jim, Powell, uh, is Jim, Dr. Jim Chalmers going to say the same thing here if, if we get two negative quarters? What's going on? Recession Re- or not, re- Recession is a label uh, that someone invented uh, many, many years ago about an economy and the conventional definition, not agreed to by everyone, by the way, uh, of two, consecutive quarters of negative GDP is a, is a recession, a technical recession, if you like. Not everybody agrees with that because it depends a little bit what country you're in. So, for example, if you had two negative quarters of GDP in China, you would be, but arguably if you had two quarters in a row of plus one, plus one in China, it would feel like a recession for China because it's usually growing at five and six and seven percent. Yep. So it depends a little bit. The The thing that I, uh, that I think genuinely captures a recession is obviously partly economic growth, really important part of any definition, but it's what happens to your labour market. And we know that unemployment does change behind the economy. The economy slows down, three or six months later, the unemployment rate goes up normally. And that hasn't happened in the US or Australia or anywhere yet. So I think if you're going to say- So you're just like a stop you there, because what, what, what we're saying is in the US, because this is not happening in Australia, we have not had negative quarters in Australia at this stage. They're saying we are having negative quarters, but we have unemployment of 3.5%. Correct. That's your point. And it hasn't increased yet. Yep. So I think for there to be, uh, and there is a body, gosh, I can't remember the name at the moment, some Bureau of Economic Research that is the official arbiter of whether there's recession. They've got all the credibility of everybody. So that, what they say heads, happens about a recession, and they often define it a year after the event because we don't know at this second. One of the things that they do look, or, look at is the unemployment rate. So if we have two quarters of negative GDP and then the next quarter it rebounds, let's just work on that for a possibility, and the unemployment rate goes from 35 to 4 and then goes back to 35 that's not a recession under their definition. Even though you had the strict two negative quarters. Because if it went two negative quarters and unemployment went up to 5%, you'd say, yep, that's a 1.5% jump in the unemployment rate. That's bad. 
that is a recession. So there's a bit, little bit of labelling of this economic circumstance. The economy is slowing. Things are tough for some people. That's the thing. Whether it's a recession or not, for some people it'll feel like one, even if it's not actually one in the US. Okay, so why is inflation so important? Like Because, you know, like there'd be people in Sydney, let's say the, they don't have a, de- a loan, you know, they're not they're borrowing money, they're on 80 grand a year, um, you know, they're sharing rental premises with their friends, um, you know, the rent's gone up a little bit, the cost of living's gone up a little bit, but, you know, they're not spending too much money on petrol, they take public transport, so they're not getting hit by by petrol. Um, they're not spending, you know, the rent's gone a bit, but that's they don't have a mortgage. Um, house, the house price hasn't gone down because they don't own a property, so they're not that worried about their wealth position. They're in their 20s to 30s. What should they be thinking about? It, it, it's If it's a broadly based increase in inflation, so if it's not just petrol and rent, for example, but it is the cost of your food. Yeah, but we've seen so food gone up 2%. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to come back down because they're growing lettuces again, for example. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's, and it's, only 2%. It's, yeah. not, it's only a small portion of the total number of 7.8% of non-discretionary By the way, Mark, spend. those people that you're talking about have probably got a pay rise because the labour market's very tight. Yep. And the fact that unemployment's low, they're probably finding it very easy to keep a, a secure job. So why, why does inflation so, affect them? Why that, should they for, give a for shit? For that cohort of the economy, probably not much. But it does mean for people on a fixed income, and by that I mean pensioners and the like, okay, they get their pension index to the inflation rate. So in a sense, they don't, There's a, again, there's a lag between that happening and them actually getting the money in their pocket. But for other people who are only getting, let's say, 3% pay increases and inflation's 6%, and the inflation's concentrated on what we call non-discretionary items. So not your restaurant meal and, you know, all those things that you do, holidays, that are nice to do, don't get me wrong, but they're not essential to your life, whereas electricity is essential. Your rent or your mortgage are essential. Your, food. your food's essential. Yep. And if you, depending Daycare, what job you have, childcare. Childcare, your car, your petrol, these things, depending what job you have, they are essentials. So if it's the price of, you know, fine wine and, um, you know, filet mignon steak goes up, okay, that's inflation, but it, you, know, you, you don't buy them. You don't need to. Yep. So I think that it, so this is where the debate on the inflation is getting like really sensitive right now. Yep. Uh, it, it, the cost of living, and this is where the focus has got to be, and I think it, it's a legitimate debate in the people who are left behind, not that group that you mentioned who I agree are, are probably doing fine. You know, they probably don't like paying extra 50 cents for a schooner of beer when they go out on a Saturday night, but, hey, it's not going to kill them. But you don't have to have 10 schooners. You can have nine. Yeah, yeah, in, indeed. And you don't have to have the craft beer. You go back to the VB yeah, and whatever. You can whatever. have a pack yep. of chips. You can, yep. you can have a There's a lot peanuts. of things you can substitute. You can yep. substitute. But it is the people who are on the fixed incomes who do get their electricity bill. And, in fact, ah, this is one of the interesting things about the inflation numbers. They took effect from the 1st of July, which – is the September quarter. We get those numbers obviously in three months' time. There are There is going to be a little bit of a pipeline of effect. So that's a non-essential. If you've got to heat your house in the middle of winter, cool it in summer, turn on your hot water system, you know, you, you, there's not much you can do about that. You, know, you can't be living in a freezing cold house. So those essentials are going up quite a lot. So that's where the sort of it's a humanitarian issue rather than an economic issue. A welfare issue. Yes. So the governments and the RBA aren't going to stop hiking interest rates because a cohort of the population are doing it tough. They need to manage the economy for the whole country, not for, say, someone who might have borrowed a little bit too much 
at the peak of the or someone price. Who, or someone who sits in the po- po- handles the poverty index down at the bottom. Correct. The, the, and indeed at Bath, it, it's not the Reserve Bank to fix that. That's where the government comes in. They've got to provide that safety net. Fiscal which is, policy. Which Australia is really good at. We have yep. a good safety net on the pension and these yep. things. Uh, you know, look at the NDIS and these sorts of things. We're a good country. You know, I think we should be really proud of that. I am. And it's an absolutely bipartisan issue too, by the way. Labor, Liberal, Liberal, Labor. It doesn't matter. They're both good at it. That's for the government to look after those people who fall through the cracks and the RBA keeps managing for the whole economy. And as you said, a few people might sort of groan a bit, oh, gee, my, you know, a little bit of my cost of living has gone up, but it doesn't really affect them other than they sort of cringe when they fill up the car and it's an extra 20 or 30 bucks than they used to pay. By the way, petrol prices are coming back down, so that's Correct. probably won't be an issue in six months' time. Except if there's a strike on and everybody oh. has to have for an hour, everyone has to take drive to work. Correct. It's yes. sort of an unusual oh, thing. It is, but because and of course it creates pollution as well, which is a bit of an interesting uh, discussion. But that's a different discussion. But yes. so, so inflation is not necessarily. You know, so what we've just established is no boom, but definitely no bust at the moment in terms of property prices. Not yet. No. Um, and, and and maybe not ever. Maybe not ever, and maybe a soft landing. But we're also establishing here across the board as opposed to certain sectors of the of the you know the Australian market some people will suffer great at a greater rate than other people because of their non-discretionary expenditure things that the things they must spend money on have gone up and their income hasn't increased that much or relatively speaking to the amount of prices increase but generally speaking again um, it's not inflation's not that big a bogeyman right now it's You'd prefer to have steady and low inflation. The two, that's why the two to three target is so, so good. It, it worked for 30 years and it still works now, but it sort of got out of control post-COVID. Um, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm not um, panicking about the economic outlook because inflation side, look, it is a problem. It is, And in fact, when you take a step back, let's just clear the decks on the economy right now. We, uh, and while the economy is slowing, we still have GDP growth at a very, when this is for the second half of this year, probably around two and a half to three percent. Not bad. We've got unemployment at three and a half. That is fantastic. You know, you and I 20 years ago, if we were sitting at this table and thought, oh, we're going to get the unemployment rate below four percent, we'd say, come on, that's not going to happen. Yeah, totally. Here we are at three and a half percent. One year ago, I would have said that's, that's, yeah, well, that's, that's unlikely. Say, yeah. Here we are today, 3.5 percent unemployment rate. Let's celebrate that. Uh, you know, it's, it's, that is one of the best things you can do for an economy is give everybody a job, or, you know, almost everybody a job who wants a job. Uh, you then look at the other uh, side of the economy. This might be a bit more esoteric, but I look at the uh, business capital expenditure plans. You know, business investment. Like you and I, in a sense, it's not the focus of our jobs, but I do look at it for the for the macro economy. And businesses are now planning on spending and investing money, machinery and equipment, renewable energies, all these things that are sort of changing in our economy. Uh, buildings. Hotels, now that we've got tourism coming back, I, I, I noticed that there was, um, I think it might have been Deloitte Access Economics put out their um, uh, business investment report and hotels are going to be built again because tourism's come back and we didn't build any hotels during the COVID lockdown. So that's going to employ people. Whoever manufactures the windows and the cement and things, that's part of the economy. So in a sense, I sort of think when I hear the talk, oh gosh, we could be heading for a recession, I think, well, hang on, you need not only consumer spending to be really weak. You need business investment to be be weak. You need the export sector to be weak. And by the way, we're exporting our pants off. So exports are, are, are absolutely strong. So, um, you know, the snapshot of the economy is pretty good. Now, okay, there's a debate. Chris Joy, 
Oh, yes, God, Chris, love him. Love him. Whose business I used to invest in, I was, a, I was, you know, he and I set up Smarter Money together. I've sold out about two years ago, but he now, he and others are now in the whole thing. But Joy Boy, good mate of ours. He is, You yes. and him are having a massive debate. We are. He's more bearish than you. He's extremely gloomy. And, in fact, I, I, in the last little while, when I started noticing him coming out with, you know, I've known Chris for, oh, gosh, 15 years, almost as long as you, um, and he... I started noticing he's putting out this really pessimistic view on the housing market. And I thought, well, I respect Chris a huge amount. He's as smart as they come. XRBA. He's, he's always out on a limb. Totally. So a little bit like me. So that's so we're actually good foils for each other, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So I started reading Chris like, geez, mate, you know, you've got house prices with a one percentage point hike in the official rate falling 15 to 25 percent. I thought that looks a bit strong. So I started chatting to him and sort of sending him a few little notes, whatnot. And then, of course, they've hiked more than that and with another hike probably next week. But um, so we had a bit of a discussion. I said, why are you so gloomy? He said, well, you know, the, the borrowing capacity of people gets hit with rate hikes. Of course it does. Um, and I'm of the view too that rate hikes will cool the housing market too. That There's no doubt about that. But when I've looked at history, and this is a really fascinating part for me, most rate hiking cycles at worst only have a very small fall in house prices five or six or seven percent at most, and then they start recovering again. Sometimes when there's been rate hikes, for example, 2002 to 2008, house prices have gone up. Why? The labour market's strong. People have got a job, they're earning income, they're getting decent pay rises, and while rates are going up, the only reason rates are going up from the RBA is because inflation's high and the unemployment rate's low. So, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We've got this debate going on. I've offered him a bet. I'm not quite sure whether he's going to take it yet. So uh, we'll see what the peak to trough What's is. What's the bet? I've been him a thousand bucks. We can give it to a charity, you know, whatever. But, you know, some serious money, like, you know, I'm, rather than 10 bucks. Yeah, we'll make it a serious amount of money. Um, we're, we're negotiating that the peak to trough Australia wide, Core Logic, eight cities and plus regional Australia. So not just Sydney or Perth or anywhere else like that. But the whole of Australia, peak to trough's minus 20. He's minus 20 or more. I'm minus 20 or less. And have you got a bet on when the peak to trough wins a trough? No, this is the thing that we're just discussing. There's no timeline. Time time. so, yeah, well, uh, the bet is settled when we get two consecutive months of house price increases because that will signal the right, turning point. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. so whether that's in this time next year or two years, we're, we're being a little open on that. Like it doesn't have to fall 20% in 12 months. No, okay. So I'm being generous with my offer. <laughs> okay. The latest inflation number is 6.1. Um, and, of course, everybody's jumping up and down. Um, it's a big deal. I mean, I've been on TV. You've probably been on TV, radio, and et cetera. Um, it's, uh, 
but I'll be honest with you, I was um, underwhelmed. I actually thought it would be a higher number. Um, Mark was calling six and a half, six point one. I don't like it, but I'm not that unhappy about it. I don't think it's a disaster. And no, that, that's yeah, just yeah. and and because I, I, I look at some of the components, you know, and we've got to wait for this to wash out in the next couple of quarters. But and I, I become much more aware now that we should be doing monthly instead of quarters. But anyway, um, because there's a you know ABS quarterly lag. I don't like it. But anyway, doesn't matter. Um, I mean, I see you know the comp- one of the components you know, of of the six point one percent is a twenty percent increase in house pricing year on year. You know that's just a big number. Thirty two percent increase in petrol prices. Well, but that's a, that's that's historic because petrol's now coming off. House prices now coming off. If I go from uh, last quarter to this quarter, house prices are down. So yep. and and, and if, so will petrol be and yep. petrol too. So if you but if I then push that out out of retirement period, if I adopt Chris Chris Joy's um a, a theory or hypothesis, house prices will be down by twenty percent, not not increasing by twenty percent. There's going to be twenty percent reversal. And clipping a lot off the CPI number. So the, the CPI number. So the CPI number will actually go back the other way. So I'm not that unhappy with what I saw. How are well, you feeling? I I was forecasting a higher number too from what I what we knew about the various components, bits and pieces about food prices and things. And by the way, a lot of vegetable prices will start to fall too because they're growing them again up in northern New yeah. South Wales and southern Queensland where they grow our cauliflowers and beans and lettuces. Uh, it takes a while for them to grow, but they'll get washed away in those floods, but they're growing. So Woolies and Coles will start selling for 3 bucks instead of 10 bucks. So that'll take inflation lower, the way the Bureau of Statistics measure it. The cost of those things are going down. Now, uh, I actually look at a lot of these sorts of indicators about how financial markets reacted. And when that number came out, you thought, oh, gee, 6.1, it's got all the headline news. And as you said, I've had By more. the way, that's, that's, that's the headline rate as, Correct. as opposed to the underlying rate, which Correct. is 4.9. Correct, which is a, a good 1.5%, well, 1.2%, I should say, is quite a deal difference between totally. the two measures. But so got all that media coverage and fair enough too, like it, it, it is a 20-year high in, in the inflation rate. But the money markets saw this number, also factoring in a higher number, and in the couple of hours after the number was released, and money markets trade, as you know, Mark, every minute of the day virtually. With the uh, best information. With the information and with people putting their money where their mouth is, not just mouthing off on TV and radio. They're actually putting their hard-earned cash and their investor cash into the money markets. The expected peak in interest rates got trimmed by around 15, 18 basis points. So almost a full quarter of a percent was taken off just on that one economic release. And if you're right, and I've got a sneaking suspicion you will be, that maybe not in the next quarter or two because there's still a momentum on energy price, like electricity prices, a few things like that that'll impact our inflation rate for the next quarter or two. But come January, February, March next year. The February meeting, yep. Yep. With... Assuming oil keeps coming back down because demand's slowing and oil production's gone up, things things like lumber prices, timber, wood, a lot, a very important part of housing construction, international freight, shipping rates. So when you're importing stuff into Australia, the cost of that uh, container on the back of the ship went up fivefold. It's now dropped forty percent. Things that probably you know, clearly don't impact every everybody's. Uh, everyday life, copper and nickel, they're down thirty and forty percent. Now, copper's in you know wires and stuff. They're the manufacturing costs, and that's why the price in the CPI number that came out uh, yesterday had electronic goods going up five percent in the quarter. 
there's a lot of copper and metal and steel and you know all that stuff in a fridge and a washing machine and a microphone and goodness knows what. So I think by the time we, if these trends in global commodity prices, petrol prices, wood prices, uh, continues to flow through the economy, we'll see it probably first overseas rather than in Australia. So look at US inflation data the next couple of months. By the time we get to the early part of 2023, I'm pretty confident, about as confident as I've ever been, that that inflation number, just as quickly as it went up, will be in the early stages of it coming down. And our friends at the Reserve Bank will sit there and think, thank goodness for that. Um, They'll have hiked a few more times. By then, housing will be a little bit weaker and they'll probably think, thank goodness, we've done enough. Let's just sit tight and watch that inflation momentum I said, as fast as it went up from late last year to now or late this year, it'll probably come back down after So you that. just made a really good point, Steve. So you were talking then about supply-side inflation pressures, okay, supply-side, and you're saying that those things should start to unwind over the next period, whatever the period may be. And I think just, just by way of example, just one example, but I think there's also going to be demand-side reduction as well. So... One of the, let's say construction, one of the things that drives the construction industry is the price of money because developers can't borrow money to go and do the development. So they're saying, you know what, there's no point me building this block of a unit because it's going to cost me too much money to build it, one, plus I can't borrow the money and interest rate's too high. The banks won't lend me the money, but the interest rate's too high. And and anyway, one of the conditions the banks impose on me is I've got to sell half before I can draw any money down. But by the way, you know, the cost of timber's too much, the cost of carpenters too much, the cost of steel's too much, everything's too much, glass electric, too much. Electric wire. So yeah. they order less. Yeah, yeah. And people, oh, oh, and people who are building houses, there's a lot of houses to wash out this in the middle building houses, but that, for those people who are about to build a house, going to say, I might just hold off a little bit. Because it's too expensive. It's, you know, the bill to give you a quote to build your house. Oh, my God, it's much more expensive than I expected. Um, so I'll hold off. So there will. I think there's going to be some demand side relief on the cost of that, on that example, construction. Indeed. No, you're 100% I, I correct, think we've got yes. a double whammy coming in early next year. Yep. Um, I think if this, all the stuff that's in progress is started We'll wash out yeah. between here and the end of the year. There's little, some momentum in some of those. Yeah, things, a little correct. bit of yeah. runoff to next year. But your point, the supply side will start to become much better in terms of inflationary pressures, price pressures. And I think on the demand side, we're going to get that too. And by the way, we know the lead time. Now, the lead time for starting a, a new development out at, you know, Western Sydney or the West, wherever it is, it's years. They have to get approvals. They have to get, you know, have to get, get the plans approved. You have to do all the earthworks and all, you have to build the streets and light, uh, there's a million things to be done. Then you've got to pre-sell and people are still in a hangover about prices, you know. You know and then you've got to build it. And then you've got to build it, <laughs> correct. So, so there's a long time lag. So there's a big lag. So I got, I've got a gut feeling that come February, March, next year, I hope you're right, I hope we're both right, that the interest rate rises will be enough um, to, to just to get us through to where we need to have, let's call it a soft landing. So... I don't think this means we're not going to have rate rises. So the question becomes for today, for you and me, let's settle this. Are we doing the Shane Oliver, AMP Bank, uh, let's put rate, the Reserve Bank put rates up to 2.5% from where we are, 1.35 now, so that's another 1.2 for argument's sake or close enough to 1.25 increase. That's 250s, 2.5% and 125 base point by the end of this this calendar year, then wait. And I think, by the way, everybody's 
there is a consensus that everyone thinks the rate rises will happen this calendar year and the RBO will wait and have a look. I think everyone agrees that. The question becomes how many rate rises? So I see um, Westpac and ANZ, I think it was, come out saying two hundred base points. So they're saying Correct. four lots of fifty base point rise before the end of this year. Yep. So where do you sit? Oh, I'm, I'm continuing to pare back my expectations when the information comes in. If you'd asked me two or three months ago, we probably need to get to three percent or thereabouts cash rate, the official cash rate. And I thought, well, gee, the RBA's got to do a lot, all the rest of it. But on that point that we were just making about some evidence that the turning point in inflation is coming. The cooling in domestic demand, which is which is happening, and global demand, you know, that that near recession, if we can call it that in the US, let alone an actual recession. The fact that China's still softening with its lockdowns and its industrial production is very weak at the moment. Europe's being still hit really hard by gas prices because, of course, they can't get their gas from Russia for the reasons of the Ukraine war. So that's a tragedy for Europe. And that's a big part of the global economy. So that's a long way of saying, I think that they, I'm, of, I'm, I'm moving with Shane, who I've got a huge amount of respect for, that, okay, here we are at 1.35% today. They probably go 50 in their August meeting, so 1.85. They probably need to, they'll probably do one more 50 uh, in September. And then it becomes really ambiguous about whether they pause October, November and go in December or, you know, that last three months of the year is going to be a, is very hard to call. Well, they'll wait for the October. They won't even know what they're doing. But they'll wait for the October ABS numbers too. Co- correct. That'll be, that'll be a really important part. And they're going to wait to see what happens to this unemployment rate. If the unemployment rate goes to 3.4, 3.4, 3.2, whatever, and that CPI number that we get for the September quarter in three months' time is very elevated, they'll probably then go again. But if there's evidence, some evidence that this, this, these information that we're talking about, that inflation globally is starting to turn, that you know, maybe unemployment stays at 3.5, ticks up to 3.6, 3.7, they might think, okay, not not that that's a bad number, that's a great number, but it's the momentum that's important for the RBA. It's not necessarily the level of unemployment or the level of GDP. It's are we getting a turn up or a turn down? GDP is turning down. Everybody agrees with that. So they're saying uh, 3.75, then 3, then 2 over the next three years. Correct. So we've got a slowing That's a problem. We've got, we've, well, it's an issue. Yes, it's a potentially. And if they get that forecast wrong by being too optimistic in the outcomes, even even a percentage point lower. So that's, that's, a that's, big deal. that's a big deal for, for GDP growth and therefore your implication for your unemployment rate. So rather than hanging around three and a half a bit, it goes to four or four and a half. Again, not catastrophic, but you don't want to then risk going to five and five and a half. You know, low unemployment, as we've been saying, is a good thing. You're thinking maybe between here and the end of this calendar year, definitely a pause in February, but between here here and the um, end of this calendar year, maybe another 1.25%. I'd, I'd hazard the S1.25. So we're, we're in that, I'll, I'll call it a range because I don't know whether they're actually going to move to 2.5, 2. yeah, 2.75 yeah, yeah. or 2.6. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way, it doesn't matter, 10 days. No, 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 totally. But I, I reckon my, my current forecast is that by year end, we're going to be around 2.5 to 2.75 give or take, that we get to that sort of level. So a little bit less than I thought, not not a huge amount. They still they still have to hike. You know, as we said, the Fed, New Zealand, Canada, UK, even the European Central Bank uh, a, a short while ago has hiked for the first time in 10 years. 
So we've got the global hiking cycle. So the RBA has got to play that game in a, in a sense. Um, but then I think, yeah, they can afford to go on their summer holidays. They don't meet in January. Uh, they can just, you know, chill out and see what happens to the economy. What are consumers going to be spending in the Christmas period? You know, that's when a quarter of all retail sales happening over Christmas. Are we going to be saying, gee, my, you know, my cost of living is so bad, I'm, you know, not going to go out for dinner. Oh, the, the Christmas turkey will be a bit smaller or we won't I'm have I'm not going to go on holidays. Uh, yes. I'll, or I'll, I'll have, on a local holiday. Or I'll have a holiday, yeah, locally rather than Bali, Bali or you know, Hawaii or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll just go local. It's half the price and still take the kids out and we can do some nice things. But it's a very different uh, way of spending. So I think the RBA will probably then pause in January, come back in February, take a deep breath. Where are we? And they'll have the data. Have these the rate hikes from 2022. Yep. Had a material impact. And if they find that consumers are pretty soft, as in not spending a lot of money, if they find that this this inflation momentum that we're talking about globally is coming to pass and that the US is getting a couple of really weak month-on-month CPIs around zero because petrol's falling, it's a negative uh, in, in the US and it'll be here at some stage, we hope, um, that they can say, look, we can actually sit tight and we may have a period in 2023, a bit hard to forecast this far out, where we have a good six months where the RBA is on hold, They'll see what happens to the economy. Is that 2.5, 2.75 official interest rate enough to achieve our inflation objectives? And this, if it is, we might have this other period, which the RBA has a history of having a year with no rate changes. Yeah, and, and then we'll all get used to it. And then, and then people realise, hey, this rate's, oh, I prefer a low rate, but it's not not killing me. I can still afford to buy a house. They'll be a little bit cheaper by by then. And people will start, I've got my job. They'll step up and start buying. And I want to finish off with one final thing. So, what this normally does is um, it sounds quite um, uh, contradictory, but these environments, what they tend to do is reduce the amount of supply of properties for sale because developers stop developing for all the reasons we talked about before. So, you know, if then if the population increases, we get population increase, which you get natural increase, but we're going to get immigration. Um, everybody's got to live somewhere. You know, if we're talking about three, 400,000 people per annum, which we haven't seen for quite a while, to, uh, quite a while, in terms of both population growth factors, then um, and with a, a, a less supply of new housing, which has been a problem for Australia forever. Yes. Um, but now this is a, a particularly exacerbated problem because of the cost of construction and the cost of interest for a developer and everybody else. You might see um, a supply side um, pressure on house prices upwards. Yes, and here we are in the early stage. We're like we've only had three months of Australia-wide house prices falling, so it's not very long into the cycle, and there is more to come. And this is what happens, by the way, for us every time. Oh, indeed, and this is the thing. We're always a bit surprised when the turning points in housing come. Oh, it's going to keep going up forever and ever, fear of missing out. So people are pushing it. Now it's the, oh, I'm going to hold off because they're going to keep falling, and then you miss the boat when they start going up. Your point's a very good one, and, and, and can I just add this? I think it's another critical point from a number of people I've been speaking to in recent weeks, months, the rental market in Australia is has never been tighter. Rental vacancy rates, um, pretty much zero. Uh, yes, so there's there's almost no rental properties around now. That means that rents are going up, and as we saw in the inflation numbers, Sydney and Melbourne still got a bit of a lag because they they were weaker. But every other state had five, six, seven percent, eight percent increases in rents. As a landlord or a potential landlord. You might sort of think, oh, the stock market's a bit shaky. You know, we don't know what's happening to the stock market. I want to buy, do something with my money. 
And so while rate, interest rates have gone up, you might think, gee, if I can buy a place, that little two-bedroom unit for X, X dollars, I can get a decent rental yield Pays on that. Itself. And I, first of all, I can find a tenant quickly so it's not vacant for any length of time because the vacancy rate's low. The rent I charge, sorry renters, is going to be relatively high. We market. Yep. And I'm going to be stepping into the market. So I'm wondering if that, I'll call it the lower end of the market. You know, you don't necessarily buy multi-million dollar properties for negative gearing, but you'll buy that one and two bedroom unit, the little three better house in the suburbia, you know, around the country. I'm wondering whether that investor demand will come through because the rental market all of a sudden makes investors uh, get into the market because all of a sudden renting's attractive again. The the gross yield is going up uh, and the fact that you can let it quickly because the rental market's so tight. So maybe owner-occupiers have a bit more of a period where they, oh, they just sort of be a bit more uh, uh, on the sidelines, but I reckon investors... We'll be, we'll be jumping in. What's interesting is that the latest data is showing that the house prices are three times have, have, have been reduced or gone down by at a rate of three times more than units, the unit market, which is generally speaking the investor market. Correct, correct. Which is yes, quite, sort of indeed. interesting, the house market. By the way, the, the single dwelling market, the home market, house, it's residential house market, actually went up fa- at a much faster rate than the yes. unit market, but it's come back at a much faster rate than the house, than the unit market, which is sort of interesting. Stephen Kukoulos, um, mate, we're both, and I think the whole marketplace is probably in this position, we're, we're all pretty clear it's going to be a half percent in the next meeting, the August meeting, uh, and we may be looking at definitely, well, I think everyone's in agreement, another half a percent, both yep. the Shane Olivers and the U and yep, the Westpac. Yeah, and Westpac, everyone. everyone I'm Where aware of, the yeah. disagreement is or the no consensus is right now is is, is there going to be what's going to happen after that? There's definitely another rate rise after that. Whether it'll be another 50 or a 25 and stop there, no one knows. And the other consensus, the other common ground is that probably will the whole thing will stop come February next year and then the Reserve Bank will sit back and have a wait and see. Not to say they're not going to put rates up anymore, but they're going to have a wait and see. All of this will reduce house prices across the board. Yep. So it's, it's, it's either going to be Chris Joy's uh, 20 to 25% uh, annualised reduction and by the way, Shane Olvin says that if if they have you know four rate rises, um, or it's going to be somewhere less about ten to fifteen percent. So you know we're looking in the range of ten percent house reductions, price reductions, to a twenty five percent house reductions, depending on who you believe. At the end of the day, you got to wait and see see how it rolls out. As usual, Kooky, thanks very much, mate. It was been awesome. It's so exciting for widows like us, but uh, it doesn't matter. It's pretty good. Thanks, Mark, and always fun to chat and. There are so many issues right now, more than we normally have to talk yeah. about. But it's hard that we can fit into such a short I conversation. Hate, I hate saying it, but it's a good thing. <laughs> yes. If you want to hear more from me and Kooky or get yourself educated about the property market, jump over to whyhomeloans.com.au or check the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley. And production assistants, Jonathan Leondis. Jonathan Leondis.